0: The following Art Trap production has been made possible in part by subscribers like you. Chiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi with Ken Deep, James Norton, and Louis Trapani. We are coming. We are coming. We're back with The <laughs> yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. This is Lewis Trapani, and I'm here with my good friend, Ken Deep. Hello. Welcome, Ken, and also my good friend from across the pond, Mr. James Norton. Hello. And we're good to be back here on Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, It's been a while, and we got some ground to cover. The biggest news is Torchwood Children of Earth has been uh, shown both on the BBC in the UK and BBC America, as well as, um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's going to be coming out soon, or has just come out on DVD and Blu-ray in the US and UK. So... Uh, But before we go into that, and just a little warning before we do that, that this is going to be – we're going to be covering everything on – Spoiler. Yeah, we're going to be covering everything. Spoiler ridding. If you haven't seen Children of Earth, you may want to hold off on listening to that part of the podcast where we review that until you have seen it. So uh, we're not going to be avoiding spoilers, so we're going to be covering anything that needs to be covered in – our review, so just a, a bit of warning. But we do have some stuff to cover before we do. Before we go into that review, I know it's been some time. Back in spring, we had a. Um, actually, I think the contest started before then. But uh, we had a uh, a contest that was offered through Mike's Comics, and with that, we gave listeners a chance. We had we did an interview with Ben Ivanovich, who um, then we asked a series of questions. Based on that interview, uh, and people were able to um, submit their answers, and then those uh, that had participated were then selected from Mike's Comics through Mike's Comics to um, to receive special Blake Seven audio dramas. To that end, there was one grand prize winner as well as um, several, uh, I guess, second place or what do you second tier winners or whatever you call them. The grand prize was a Blake Seven. Series One slipcase set, and and everyone else then received Blake Seven the early years when Villa met Gan. And um, Ken, have you heard that yet? Have you? Heard oh that? yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I ordered mine. That's how I met Mike from Mike's
1: Comics. Was I could not find any place to order it from in the United States except from from Mike, and um, and he took great care of me. I had it practically the next day, and. It was great. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Actually, I listened to it a few times. Well,
0: what we're gonna do is we're, we're just gonna quickly run off some names of the winners. And what we're gonna do is we're just gonna limit it to their first names, since we didn't get uh, we didn't ask them if we could announce their the winners here. So, just to be polite, we'll just um, just. And, and if you're listening to this, you know you're a winner. So, <laughs> you have already <laughs> received your prize. Oh, and, you're a winner! <laughs> so we want to congratulate you. Know you. You're a winner. And and we also want to thank Mike's Comics for participating in this contest. You know, well they sponsored it. Really, it's it's all there. So, uh, but the grand prize winner goes to Sal in Columbia, um, Missouri. So we want to thank you, or we want to congratulate you. And cheers. The other winners, and I'll just just quickly just uh, run off some names here are Troy, Greg, David, Rob, and. And uh Darren. So um congratulate you all for winning, and you you obviously got the right answers, and um hopefully I didn't miss anyone there. And once again, congratulate you and also um give a nods out to um Mike's Comics, Mike'sComics.com. Check them out. They also have they they've asked us to um point you in a direction of their live journal page. They are running a survey, and I'm just gonna try to pull up that information here. Here, if I can. Um, Yeah, well, while you're doing that, Lewis, I'll also make mention
1: that um, in addition to When Villa Met Gann, which featured classic Blake 7 star Michael Keating, there are other classic Blake 7 actors that are going to be crossing over into some of the newer, when they do these early years prequels, which is great. And I know Jan Chappell is one of the people lined up for uh, Blood and Earth and Flag and Flame and she'll be reprising the role of Callie. And there's a few others on deck for, for 2010 as well, but um, they're still sort of a ways off. So before uh, announcing that um, some of the other actors are, are definitely going to be in it. But I, I liked it. It's What they do with the early years is they'll take a classic series actor and mix them in with the current cast and do a flashback episode as if the classic series actor was playing... Mm. Uh, the The current character, even though they have a the entire cast the entire um all the characters cast for the audio dramas and when you listen to like the box set that you that you sent out as our grand prize winner, when you listen to those those um retellings the re reimaginings of of Blake Seven, they use a brand new cast, but when they do these early years and they do sort of prequels, uh, they remind me of those like webisodes and things like that that we get to see now that were common with.
0: With Doctor Who and Battlestar Galactica, and, and now apparently Blade Runner. So, well, the poll that I was uh, referring to before was um, something that they're focusing on Doctor Who toys, and if you go to Mike's Comics dot com slash four five eight zero nine dot html. It will bring you to the survey page. I, th- I think they're just trying to collect some information about how you collect and what you collect and what your interests are and so forth. So, um, if you have um, time and if you listen to the enhanced podcast, it's there'll be an embedded link right here, and you can check it out. And um, you know, the, like I said, Mike's Comics was kind enough to uh, offer this contest to our listeners to uh, participate in, and and many of you won these great. Blake seven audio dramas, so uh, do them a favor check them out, go to that um, live journal page and fill out that uh survey and I definitely
1: hope you enjoy the the new Blake sevens because this really is you know Blake seven is i don 't think a lot of people are going to go to it because it 's something new it's it's primarily going to be for people who enjoyed the classic series and are anxious to see it envisioned. and until it hits our television screens again. The audios are really – this is almost a, almost a model as to what they did with Doctor Who, that they were turned on audio first. And then mm-hmm. people started realizing there's a market for this. People are interested in this kind of science fiction.
0: Yeah, you know, and I, I'm a little um, annoyed at some of the reviewers when uh, – with Children on Earth recently – you know, we're not going to get into the review right right now, but I just some of the reviews that were published in the papers and um, some of the opinions of British science fiction and referring to um, Blake Seven in less than less than good regards. You know, as far as um, they're just not getting it or they're not just you know they're looking at some of the maybe the lack of of budget compared to some of the American science fiction of that time. Whatever, it's the storytelling.
1: Absolutely, and, uh, and, and the, the characters. That's uh, exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that. Is these people yeah. are are clearly missing the fact that we the British actually put stories together for their science fiction, not just special effects. Yes, the stories you, and the characters come first. Um, you look at British science fiction, and you see there's this classic, rich history of drama and storytelling and you look at american science fiction over the last decade and you see michael bay movies <laughs> <laughs> that's our best that's our best sci-fi teller here in the united states
2: i think the the problem is is that as well that um, aside from them being michael bay films um, that particularly in hollywood they don't need to put a lot of storytelling in there they don't need to focus on the story they're just focused on the special effects and uh, that you know their box office successes even if they're critical you know critically they they have like 1 or 2% on rotten tomatoes or whatever they'll still uh, they'll Breaking. still do very well yeah. at the box office just because they've got you know the
0: wow factor
2: lost exactly and and um uh transformers 2 a michael bay film is a perfect example of that poor story brilliant special effects well i'll go and see it anyway you know irrespective of the story and um that's the sad thing really
0: it goes back to well it probably goes back further than that but most recently um well not most recently but in recent times independence day i mean it's the story no story no characters and it probably made I, i Glob a zillion dollars. money you know yeah
2: yeah i think it was for, for the time one of the most successful um sci-fi stories of the time by the way while we're kind of on this kind of level although it's not british sci-fi it is directed by a british director if anybody hasn't seen yet moon which is a, a brand new well i say it's brand new it's brand new um to the UK, anyway, in terms of
0: it's, uh, it's new uh, here. It's it's playing an unlimited run right now in the US. In fact, I've been meaning to ask Ken if he wants to see that. But yes, I yeah. do actually,
2: because that's a, a prime example of really good storytelling, and they've done it on a shoestring budget. Um, the uh, director is Duncan Jones, who's actually Zoe uh, Bowie, David, exactly Zoe Bowie, <laughs> um, David Bowie's son, and they they. they they put together this fantastic story i think they made it with like 5 million dollars or less which is is astonishing in today's uh, uh uh in well in the modern age of cinema really that's that's yeah. peanuts in terms of making a film and it's absolutely brilliant go and see it if you haven't already done so that's aside from it but it's kind I, of british I sci-fi cuz i the- think
1: artists do their best work when they are put in a box and limited to what they can do and told that you only have 5 million dollars or pounds to work with what can you do with it? And, it and it 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 creates interesting choices for an artist to have to make what they're going to include what they're not going to include what they're going to have to trick the audience into seeing or not seeing i think it's great well, uh, you know you if if the example is when you have an unlimited budget you
0: get michael bay movies i will take the artist inside the box any day yeah this is an yes. independent film and also the 10th doctor is in it in a sense there's really well the special effects in it they used uh, some yeah, of the yeah. david 10th Ten- <laughs> doctor uh figures or dolls uh in the you know as stand-ins or whatever in the special effects of the film <laughs> i haven't seen it yet so i can't really give you details but okay it's 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 interesting you know
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, and I, I think it's uh, – that's a classic uh, piece of cinema that – well, I think it's brilliant and I think it will be a classic piece of cinema. And that's, again, prime example of how you can – with a great story, it doesn't matter necessarily about the special effects. They'll come later. Just do a brilliant story and that's the most key, uh, crucial well, thing.
1: There was an interview – was it with a Boston paper, Lewis? The one I had put on my Facebook page that I – Absolutely went ballistic about asking Russell T Davies about uh, s- saying something along the lines of, um, "With the failure of Doctor Who in the United States, oh, and I'm like with the failure, I, I cannot stand modern journalism." First off, it's not journalism. Everybody's
0: a blogger. I was just gonna, Everybody's going to Call pat. you out on that journalism. <laughs> no, yeah,
1: yeah. Everybody, everybody who's a blogger suddenly thinks they're a journalist, you know, and 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 that's not the case. Um, yeah. If if you don't, if there isn't a, if there isn't a gatekeeper, then you're not a journalist. And a gatekeeper in journalism is. You know, the editor, somebody who says, no, you've got to go deeper on this story, or what are you talking about with this? That's, that's, you know... Or or validate your sources and... um, Yeah, so you turn around and you say, with the failure of Doctor Who to gain popularity in the United States, well, let's take a look at this. Millions of people watching it, millions of DVD sales, the show's been on in America, uh, in the classic series and in the modern series for years. Yeah, I, I would consider that a failure, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so.
2: and it spawned this fantastic um, a spin-off show, which we're going to talk about a bit later. Which is, uh, as far as I'm aware, anyway, from what I've heard from people like yourselves and other mates that I have in the states, has been a huge success over there as well. As well, well as with Dr. the failure
1: of Torchwood here in the Indeed. United States, yes.
2: <sighs> we don't know if it's going to come back at all. I mean, even though it's it's you know one of the most popular British shows uh, shown in the states at the moment. I mean. Come on. And
1: on, while we're on this wacky people on the internet thing, and we're three people on the internet, but, but this is just uh, – and, and Radio Free Scarrow really covered this very well, and I mentioned it on a recent pod as well. Uh, this whole homophobia thing going on in, in the current run of Torchwood Children of Earth, how Russell T. Davies is homophobic. I nonsense! Know. I know it, you had mentioned that. In that's well. like a, 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 a an African American man being called a
0: racist. Yeah, I, I a, yeah. you know what I
1: mean. Like you you can't be gay and be homophobic.
0: Well, you can, but th- how, I don't... Lewis. Oh, the most homophobic people are. There are many homophobic people that are
1: closet gays.
2: Yeah, but
0: yeah, but, but that's a different type of homophobia, Lewis. That's an internal homophobia, not an external. No, no, homo- these act no. in external ways. They, they they go out and bash people. Or they are elected in office and pass laws against um, prohibiting um, equality. I, I but going to this point, you had mentioned this in the last Dr. to Potchak. I haven't really encountered this. I've been getting. Um, Feedback through Twitter, on Facebook, and um, various other – on our site, org and net, and really haven't heard any complaints about Torchwood being homophobic. So I know there was something on James Moran's blog or whatever, but I, mm-hmm. I think – I don't know if it's limited to that because I really haven't seen it, it elsewhere. It has ha- been
2: said in, se- in several forums. I have to, to back Ken up on this, and it's and really give, without cause.
1: I have to give credit to, to – um, the crew over at Radio Friscaro who bowed out of their discussion on this and allowed three guests host guest hosts to come together um and, and deliberately pick three people who are who are gay to discuss this. And and I and in a way, perhaps Lewis, it's not fair of me to, to discuss it either, being a heterosexual male, that I it's it's tough for me to try to project what I perceive. I'm I'm not the recipient of homophobia. So perhaps it's just the way I view things. I just I think taking someone like Russell T Davies who's done a lot to advance the cause and to take a shot at him to me just seems immature.
2: Yes. Completely. And I I I mean I'm in your position as well, Ken. I mean, I'm not the subject of this homophobia, but I don't understand what on earth people are talking about. As far as I can see, it was one throwaway comment um, uh, in the, in the show, which was which was relating to the fact that this character really was still a child and really was just like he came out of the 60s, when back then you know homophobia was rife compared to today. I mean, that that was the point. It wasn't, you know having having a go at the queers or whatever it was it was trying to make a the character in the story believable well that it didn't have anything to do with being homophobic
1: there was a, a a discussion that we had back when the idiot's lantern aired and to me when you when you take somebody from a different era uh, and put them in different era i should say right uh not error it, it, you take someone from a different era and you bring them into a current situation one of the ways that we shine the light of truth on injustices is by showing how in a different time things were perceived in a different way and under today's value system you realize in, in idiot slanta what i'm bringing
0: up is um there's a scene about with the boy if you remember with the um, we should just explain. This is a Doctor Who episode, um, "Idiots' okay. Lantern" by uh, Mark Addis. Yep. Uh, yep, there's, a, there's a line from the, the grandmother or something about,
1: how, you, "Oh, you're going to have to beat that out of them," and that was the that was the mentality of people in that era that you could mm. just beat someone into not being gay.
3: Mm. Uh,
1: what that does in the context of the 21st century is it shines the light of the ridiculous on that that these perceptions were incorrect and ignorant. And that's what I think that they're showing in Torchwood with this flashback with a character from the sixties who perceives something a certain way.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think now it's
1: it's contrasted with with Yanto's brother in law, who does the exact same thing and shows that his head is still stuck in the wrong place.
2: Yeah
0: yeah
1: but,
2: but also also showing again i mean they how can they say it's homophobic i mean we're getting into spoiler territory and kind of reviewing it before yeah, we, we, till, um, we got to
0: the torchwood but review i'll just this. make
2: this one point and then we'll move on and that is how can you say that uh, t- this last episode of torchwood is homophobic when when his sister yanto's sister and they sit down together and she asks you know basically have you gone gay have you gone bender is is their exact words and, you know, he, he says something along the lines of, well, don't you want to worry about your daughter who's sitting in the room? And she says, oh, don't worry about her. She's got a a, a friend with two mums. I mean, how can you possibly say that that, that, that it's um, homophobic? We should be championing the series and saying that it's great. It's it's bridging the divide and showing that, you know, gay people are people. They're not, you know, the boogeyman. And it's, it's not like we're living back in... in the 1950s series have
0: been very fluid with their sexuality and exactly um, uh, heterosexuality, um, homosexuality, bisexuality, omnisexuality. It was all represented there in Torchwood.
2: Yeah, and I think people who who are getting upon I, their high horse about I this think, haven't watched the show.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe, and and again, um, we should have waited till we got into the Torchwood discussion on this because, um, you know, I, I think people are lashing out because of certain Events that took place in which I don't want to talk about now because that would get well, into I, spoiler territory. Why but... don't we ring the spoiler bell and move on then?
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, because, let's get into the review.
0: Well, because we want to, before people turn off this podcast and save it <laughs> till after they you know, see Torchwood, we have other <laughs> non Torchwood news to discuss. That's okay, the reason why I'm saving the Torchwood fair review enough. for the end so people can just stop <laughs> the podcast there and save it till after they see Torchwood and then pick uh, up where they picked up. We need to go off. with the flow more.
2: <laughs> no, we need we're to. are flowing. We, James we and, and I to flow are flowing in the
0: right direction
2: more. So, <laughs> this is why maybe we should have had a, a, a pre-production meeting. But James all...
0: and I are pointed straight, okay, and we're moving forward. <laughs> yeah, okay, now we're, now who is being homophobic? <laughs> <laughs> now who is being homophobic? Okay. <laughs> Well, while my straight counterparts are pointed straight, (laughs) I'm going to go gaily forward.
2: Get on with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to discuss some of the late-breaking news uh, concerning Doctor Who, which just today, as we're recording, this is Tuesday, the 21st of of July, but yesterday, shooting of the new Doctor Who series starring Matt Smith and Karen Gillan had started on Monday, and of course... There have been pictures, as we all predicted, there's going to be, uh, as soon as they're outside shooting on location anywhere, there are going to be pictures being snapped of these two actors and any props and any other surprises that may be involved will be published. So trying to get the scoop on all that, the BBC News released uh, one of the first published photos of the new doctor, number 11, Matt Smith, in his New outfit along with um, his companion, and we do have a name for the companion now is Amy Pond. So, and um, so the the outfit is I thought it was a little bit of throwback to um, or at least a nod to the Patrick Trouton days, so the second Doctor with the bow tie and 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 the braces, and uh, it's a little bit neater and cleaner as opposed to Trouton's more a little bit sloppier, looser fit. But um, I I think it it very much is a Doctorish. I mean. It's, uh, ensemble he's gotten some some people have given some flack to the bow tie but i think the bow tie the doctor's always had um a bow tie a, a sense of fashion that may be considered out of sync with the rest or or odd or or eccentric so i i i, I think the costume is wonderful
2: yeah i agree i i i was thrilled when um i saw this very um,
1: victorian which was what the doctor is always supposed to be is this Victorian-era gentleman,
0: very Jules Verne. I call it what you will, just absolutely. Well, he has a want- tweed jacket, dark uh, slacks, trousers, cupped at the end, and well, laced boots. Yeah. The the bottom half of the outfit could have been something out of the Christopher Eccleston Ninth Doctor yes, outfit. Yes,
2: that's but- why I liked it as well, because it's... I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head, Lewis, when you're saying that it's a nice nod to Patrick Troughton, but I think there's a lot of, like nods to other Doctors there as well. The boots are very ninth Doctor and the trousers. The bow tie, as well as being Patrick Troughton, also is um, reminiscent of the third Doctor as well, I think. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that it's kind of like science teacher geek chic with the the patches on the tweed uh, elbows. It's really getting back to the idea of the Doctor of being someone of kind of like an academic type uh yeah, some person, people make who's...
0: comparisons to harrison ford's uh yes. jones character yeah he, exactly. Um, exactly henry uh, uh well professor jones professor jones yes i i thought of that as well you know
1: well again it's it's a it's a costume out of a certain era so um uh, mm. and it does it will evoke characters that you've enjoyed from period pieces like that I, again, uh, I, there are some people uh, here and there. Oh, this is terrible! It's the worst thing ever! And it's first off, if you're new and you're very loyal to David Tennant, and I don't blame you. David Tennant is wonderful. But if if Regenerations is a, a are a new thing to you, you'll see that you'll like the new Doctor after a while. All these same people will a year from now be talking about how great. Season five
3: was.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and these things sometimes take time to grow, and you don't. If you're to gonna
1: you? dislike a doctor because of a photo that you saw or his age, come on. Yeah,
0: it, it that mm. goes. back I would I wouldn't Davison.
1: have liked t- Peter Davison then. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, he was a bold contrast to Tom Baker's doctor before him. I mean, and if you just saw the first pictures of him, uh, a young face in a uh, cricket outfit, you're gonna say, "What the hell is this? You know, where's the scarf? You know." And mm. It's mm. it will be a big shock for after seven years of the fourth doctor to uh, see Peter Davison arrive on the scene as the fifth, and I think that's what we're seeing here in some fashion. No, no especially when the current doctor is so popular, and that happened with Davison from Tom Baker. It's happening
1: now with Matt Smith from uh, David Tennant, and uh, hopefully Matt Smith is doing what Peter Davison did, which was to contrast the previous doctor. Yes. Do his own thing and take it in a, in a slightly different direction and stand mm. on his own two feet. And people are either going to love it or hate it. And you know what? Mm. The people who hate it watch it anyway. That's what happened with Star Trek The Next Generation. That's what happened with Battlestar. It's going to happen with Matt Smith's doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, I can't stand this, but I'll tune in.
2: <laughs> I think uh, that Matt Smith is going to make a fantastic doctor. And I think – he will play it his own way. I think he he will have had a lot a big say in the costume. He's a very uh, trendy kind of a guy. You can tell just to look at him. And I think you know bow ties certainly are are getting back in a big way in terms of fashion, along with rolled up trousers and tweed jackets and stuff like that. I mean, it it just totally makes sense. Yeah, and and also I'm I also am loving. Um, the new name of the companion, Amy Pond. I think that works really well. She
0: does look like an Amy. She looks so much like an Amy. Yes, she
2: does look like an Amy. And her costume as well is great. I love the converse as well, kind of a throwback to uh, (laughs) the Tenth Doctor. And yet, my word, she is gorgeous. She's ravishing. I didn't quite realize how uh, lovely she was, but she's going to make a great companion as well. And I think uh, she's going to give Rose a good, maybe a a run for her money. Who knows? We'll have to, to wait and see. Um,
1: and I think it's just great that once again Doctor Who is playing into the geek chic thing because yes. as a geek, uh,
0: I need all the help I can get. So you know, <laughs> anytime they make it sexy, is all right by me. You know. <laughs> well, that's not all that was new that was presented in these photos. And by the way, if you go to Embassy dot org or Podshock.net, dot net, you'll find I'd links. Better to Better ring a spo- spoiler. Are you talking character or prop? Uh, prop. Yeah, okay. I'm not. Gonna, I wasn't even going to go into the spoiler. Um, there was a character spoiler in there. Yeah, that I was wasn't going to go there. I, I was going to go to the prop. Um, <laughs> which, well, there were which... two props in the photos. Most people concentrated on the blue one. Well, I was going to go to the blue one, which okay. is, the, I guess, the most newsworthy of, of the bunch.
2: Striking, certainly, yeah, in terms of its design.
0: Well, we're talking about none other than the police box, a.k.a. The tar- TARDIS. The high-definition TARDIS, as we should be calling yes. it now. <laughs> which which goes back to a uh, a nod to the low low definition of the original early
1: series of doctor who
0: yes which, with the, the St John's ambulance emblem on the, the on the yeah, other the door now St John's uh yeah. cross um, you know ambulance um emblem there which is um
2: yeah the William Hartnell uh, box of course it
0: has a higher roof it's uh you can see the the, the wood grain in the TARDIS as well uh, it's again, a brighter
2: blue as well. well I
0: think I think that goes back to, to the, the high uh, def. So the high def side is yeah. that it's
1: really, you know, any any little thing that would have been picked up now with the with more advanced cameras has been immediately corrected, yes. because with the high def, if there was some light bleeding through one of those wooden um, seams or whatever, it would be, it, it would expose th- those things. Appeared in standard definition in the seventies. I mean, you look at some of the John Pertwee episodes and things, and you're like, what the heck is going on with the TARDIS? And if you were if you were being exposed to that in with 1973 technology imagine what it would be like
0: today using a, a 1080
1: uh 1080p high or whatever yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I also like the windows. I don't know if yes, know, I,
2: they've changed the windows, yeah.
0: And and the the glass is you know it doesn't look like it's lit up from behind as it was previously. And I don't know if maybe they just had the Tardis off at the time when these photos were taken, or if that's really what it's going to well, be. Well, they looked
2: to be painted black to me, like like the older style Tardises uh, yeah, prior to the darkened to
0: glass, the, or or at least it looked like it was dark inside. It wasn't lit up.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. and I like that as well. I think I think we're going to see. Uh, more of a nod to uh, previous console rooms as well we can 't wait um, to see their interior yeah, and that 's what got me excited is that they 've redesigned the exterior, so clearly they must have done something to the interior as well, um, you know new doctor, new companion, new tardis in a way it 's really exciting and uh, quite i 'm really thrilled about it and, and in a way i 'm at the same time i 'm kind of a bit sad that um, all of these uh, pictures have have come out onto the onto the web now. I mean, I guess it was inevitable. Well, but I'm surprised is, that
0: we didn't get the classic rooftop picture. <laughs> Where's our rooftop true. picture? That, no, that's true. Th- this, this was
1: this was an entire setup because here we are on the second day, and I've seen zero pictures.
2: Yes. Well, the, so the, they the, make oh, a big oh, yeah, splash. Yeah. They come
1: out with everything you want to see: the Doctor, his companion, the TARDIS. Two other things, uh, yes. and, and a clear and deliberate attempt to say, and, and the thing is shot in uh, on a beach with some rocky cliffs, very, uh very gravel pit, very quarry looking. Mm. It's everything that's traditional Doctor Who. These are reassuring photographs oh, for absolutely. Doctor Who fans.
2: Sure, uh, the the reason why I'm a little bit disappointed is not. I'm thrilled about the photos, obviously. It's, it's wonderful. But the reason why I'm kind of a bit sad is that we haven't finished David Tennant's era yet. And uh, I would have liked them to – well, I guess it would have been maybe a little bit difficult for them to, to keep all the leaks tight and everything. But um, I kind of would have liked to have seen David Tennant to its conclusion before we got to see the costume. Um, but I guess it, it just would have been far too difficult for them to do that. Well,
1: they only did that so that in the Eleven Doctors, Children in Need special, he'll be able to wear his costume.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. But it kind of, you know, it, it's sad for David Tennant because, you know, now he's he's kind of, his specials are overshadowed by, um, by Matt Smith, but, you know, it, I, in, it, he, in a way it was worth it just for the photos because they are awesome.
1: In a wonderful piece of Facebook fan fiction, uh, someone was suggesting in some of the photos with Matt Smith in his new costume and the throwback TARDIS um, that Moffat is choosing to flash back to a young William Hartnell in that instead of him being the 11th Doctor, he's actually a young Hartnell bringing it full circle. Com- I mean, completely not true, but fun to think about. Like, yeah. in in Very, in, a, in a in a summer of prequel movies
0: um well i was just... kind of speculating that perhaps this isn't his TARDIS it was uh he ran into his um his former self on a certain planet without giving things away that that has a similar um look to it <laughs> yeah and uh where the first doctor found um himself and susan at one point yeah <laughs>
3: Right.
1: It's a it's a possibility. Well, okay. So that was our uh, a brief Doctor Who wrap up, and we'll we'll be doing we'll be covering this Again. at length in Doctor Who PodShock. Uh, but because the news was so fresh, wonderful, and while we're on wonderful news, um, a quick note on on the Doctor Who front um, for both feeds is that um, Gallifrey the convention Gallifrey twenty one is moved back a week. It's now the last weekend of February 2010, and they've added some guests, which are always wonderful announcements. Georgia Moffat is joining her father, Peter Davison, the fifth doctor, at the convention, as well as Sarah Sutton, who played Nyssa, and various people like Phil Ford and Paul Cornell, and who am I missing in there? Um, Help me, Lewis. Help help me, (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm forgetting. Anyway, you can visit their website, Gallifrey1.com, for f- details on the change of date and the guest updates. And for all we know, by the time this comes out, there'll be even more updates. But that was an interesting piece of news that also came out on the night before. That was Sunday that that information came out. And then Monday we had the doctor in his new costume and all the leaked photos from that. Yeah. Leaked, leaked nothing.
0: Is this register open?
3: The register light is on, isn't it? Did you find everything you needed?
0: Yeah, I think so.
3: What you got here? Let's see. One veggie wrap, three sixty-nine. One latte, three ninety-five. One slice of marble cake, a dollar seventy-five. One Doctor Who monthly magazine, eight ninety-nine. Doctor Who, 10th Doctor figure with Adipose, 1995? Uh, I take it you're a Doctor Who fan?
0: Yes. Uh, how did you guess?
3: Uh-huh. And what's this, uh, Doctor Who pod shock?
0: It's a podcast.
3: A podcast? There's no price on it. I need a price check. Frank, I need a price check. Please come to the register. I need a price check. Yeah. How much is this podcast? I don't know. I don't see it listed here. Well, I gotta know what to charge him for it. Hmm. Well, what do you think it's worth?
0: What do you think this podcast is worth? This podcast is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. If you enjoyed this podcast, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi and Doctor Who Podchalk and the other podcasts that we do, and you would like to see them continue... They are made possible in part by support from listeners like you and sponsors. If you haven't done so already, visit arttrap.com and hit the donate button. Thank you for your ongoing support, and if you'd like to sponsor our show, you'll find advertising and sponsorship information on arttrap.com as well. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us.
1: <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program, with Louis Trapani. Hello, Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James.
2: Over uh, 40,000.
1: Doctor Who shock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. We blew that.
2: I'm the Doctor. And who are you? And who are you?
0: We are coming <laughs> we are coming so uh, before we go into torchwood children of earth and any other non-torchwood children of earth news that we want to cover
2: i don't think so i think we've uh covered everything pretty well
0: all right then sound the spoiler alarms because um anything at this point of the podcast afterwards could be spoilers to you if you have not seen
2: torchwood Defin- children spoilers, of earth
0: yeah. we're right in the middle of the hoopla of torchwood actually uh now in the u.s it's being shown on bbc america as we well not, not exactly as we speak but during this week Pretty. that we're speaking and two weeks ago it was on bbc proper in the uk and it was had done phenomenon in the ratings it's um i think averaged about six million a night you know 5.9 or somewhere in that vicinity huge in the ratings and uh, reaction has been very, very strong. Uh, there's some mixed reactions as far as the content goes. Some are, it is it is Torchwood. It is It opens up in um, 1965 as a flashback. It's dark, it's raining. It sets the mood that this is going to be a dark story. And it, it uh, fulfills that promise. And I have to say that I was quite surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. I've seen the trailers and I didn't have... Um, low expectations, I just, the trailers didn't, and I'm not blaming the trailers themselves because it's kind of hard to encompass five hours of Torchwood in a two-minute trailer, but it didn't, you know, it, it it was far, far better than what I was expecting just from the trailers. It just, it has um, a very cinematic feel to it. They did it as a five, if you don't know already, this season, this series of Torchwood is five episodes as opposed to the traditional, what, 13 episodes so they, I think, but I think they had the same budget that they had for the full series, and they com- they made it into five explosive episodes that tell a, a complete story. So it's a miniseries, really.
1: Yes, it's a, definitely a miniseries, and told over five consecutive nights. I think that really helped. Yes, it helped the storytelling. It kept everything fresh in your mind. It it definitely generated a lot of excitement. I could not wait to come home and watch the next
0: episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pacing yeah. was intense, and it kept you going. You know, it was, um, as you said, it was, it, it wouldn't have, even though I had said before seeing this, I had said it maybe had, would have worked better if they did it in five weeks. So because we are in this gap year between, you know, with with the lack of, uh, of a regular series of Doctor Who and a lack of a complete series of, of Torchwood, now, we're, you know, they're doing it in a, in a compressed one week, we're going to get, you know, go through Torchwood, but I think, it, as Ken said, it worked. This, did work. It it was one complete story.
2: Yeah. Well, this is a to great me-
0: example where an artist's
1: vision for how his piece of artwork is presented, when not meddled with by bean counters, uh, the vision it, it, you know works. Everything worked artistically. What they were trying to achieve works.
2: Yeah, and I think. Um, t- to my mind, this was my favorite series of Torchwood. Oh, yes, same Mothersby. here. 100%. Um,
1: I, it made me a Torchwood fan. I, I, yes. As everybody knows, I'm not, I, I didn't particularly flip out over the first or second series.
2: Yeah. The writing was terrific. Uh, I have to say, uh, Russell T. Davies, uh, John Fay, and James Moran did a brilliant job. And because it's such a... Quite a complicated storyline, really, when you think about it. And they did such a... a there were, you know, minor plot holes and things here and there. But by and large, they did a great job of sort of piecing everything together and twist, making lots of twists and turns. And it really kind of, you know, uh, echoed back to the original series of Doctor Who in that it had a cliffhanger every night to... Mm-hmm. Even, at, you know, even at the end of the series, there's a cliffhanger as to, you know, what's going to happen with Torchwood and, you know, all the rest of it. So it was hugely, hugely, really well done. And um, brilliant actors, particularly um, the chap who played John Frobisher, who was, you know, effectively the the civil servant, the home office civil servant, Mm -hmm. played by Peter Capaldi, who's a, a wonderful Scottish actor, won I don't know how many Academy Awards and BAFTAs. Um, he was brilliant in it, mm-hmm. and you know he—he he for me would, was the the best supporting actor they could have they could have gotten. And uh, I completely agree with Lewis that this hit this took me really by surprise. I was completely blown away by it, and I'm kind of glad that they that they there wasn't too much of a build up to it. You know that the hype was big when it was on. But before, you know, there wasn't too much of a a, a fanfare about it. You know, it, it was so it really was uh, a nice uh, a nice way to do it, a nice surprise for us all. So, um, well, it was
1: it was finished what late last year. So they they've been sitting on yes, this for a while, and a I think that time. might have helped contain any of that last minute build up or that you know, oh, this was just shot a month ago, and things had leaked or whatever. They had a chance to let things kind of simmer down. The actors were off doing other things. And so it came back, and they had time to prepare it and, and prepare for its transmission and get it set the way they wanted it to. They waited, they were patient, and it worked.
2: I also yes.
0: want to continue on the thread that James had mentioned as far as giving a nod to the writing. I also have to give nod to Uris Lin, who directed all five episodes. And I think that was a um, part of its success as well, as as opposed to giving yeah, it to five different to directors. That. It really had – even though it was written by several people, it was concise. It felt like all one story, and I have to give nods to Uris Lin for tying it all together. Excellent editing, good use of music. Um,
2: Great special effects, by yeah. the way, as well.
0: Yeah. Mm, yes, definitely. I
2: I, I mean, liked
1: um I liked the fact that and I'm a strong proponent of this and I we we talked we talked about when the Star Trek movie came out back in May how I talked about science fiction and metaphors and things like that. This was great science fiction, which utilized metaphors for other things, for telling stories, for telling very modern stories, things that you couldn't say in certain ways that you can get away with in science fiction. And the yeah. idea of having aliens that are drug addicts and uh, sort of this uh, t- this panic over terror alerts and things like that centering around the children was very poignant. I thought it was very well done. Yeah, The only thing in the five episodes that kind of took me out of it a little bit was I think in the second episode, the the whole, I loved the concrete block thing. I thought that was brilliant, but I thought the resolution of it and and our Torchwood heroes getting off the army base was a, a little too a little simple. too
2: easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I agree.
1: Uh, one of the things that somebody had mentioned about uh, referring to Torchwood was that it's it's more realistic than Doctor Who, and I was like, on what planet? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, you have yeah, an immortal Kevin guy. Jack was
0: blown to bits and somehow managed to. Um, yeah, they've got, they've got they've got this pieces. multi-ton block of
1: concrete which gets lifted by a forklift, um, yeah. and and four people get off a, a base filled with soldiers who were professionally trained to stop them.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think there were there were holes in the plot and the well, only biggest...
1: in a, only in a few spots like that. I, yes, I think they boxed themselves
2: into it... a corner
1: and they and if you would have. The idea of putting Captain Jack in a block of concrete is to make you wait till the next night to figure out how they're going to yeah, get how him out. They're
2: going to get him out, yeah. And, and that they, was brilliant about it. And they that set him to forgive the holes for that.
1: They put yeah, him in the carbonite absolutely. and they got him out of it within, <laughs> you know, within a few minutes.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and that was thing, the only
1: part for me that really was a, a bit of a letdown.
0: Another thing that I, I did enjoy about this is that they didn't give you all the answers. The 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 alien uh, yeah. known as four or five, 6, we still don't know a lot about, and we didn't see a full reveal of them. And I, I, I like that mystery, you know. Yeah, that's something... it was
2: scary. It was bloody scary. It, was it had bloody me. Bloody brilliant, yeah. Yeah, it, and it re- and I like that.
0: It reminded me a bit of Kosh from Babylon Five, and, and, and keeping that mystery yeah. factor, you know, yeah. th- where it was in a smoke-filled environment and you couldn't really see, and it just added to the whole mystery and and um, horror element of it.
2: Hmm. Mm. And I mean, I, I think that they that that is a great way to bring fear into things when it's more psychological than than just right in your face, you know. And 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 I think I, I mean I was pretty scared, and I think there will have been a lot of people out there who will have been terrified by this. So that's that's a key point of Doctor Who and and sci-fi in general. I think if you're gonna have if you're gonna have aliens and you're gonna make them horrific monsters. Make them scary and make them, you know, even with the Daleks, for example, one of the whole biggest things about the Daleks, why they were so scary, aside from the fact that they could, you know, kill you cold, heartlessly for no reason, was the fact that you never really saw them. You didn't really, you know, they were in a a machine, a box, and you could never really sort of get to them and see what they were really like. And that was kind of uh, thrilling for me as a kid watching that kind of stuff.
0: And for those that, uh, because there's been some before the series came out, there was some fears of that they may use children here in a manner of um, exploitative, you know, and and it really wasn't they weren't exploiting the children. They were the um, in in this sense they weren't the children weren't doing the killing, or, or, or yeah, so it that was if clever you, if you had that fear going into this or that was a turn off if you saw trailers to that and like oh I, they're, they're using children in an inappropriate way or whatever i mean they do play a significant significant part in the story it's called children of earth so and um you know that the, there are some consequences and, and that's another thing that we didn't touch upon is that and and that's another great thing about torchwood is that this is storytelling where there are consequences on your actions it's not at the end of the day you're not back to exactly where you were in the beginning of the day before the adventure you know started so characters can die Um you, there, there were new characters that were introduced here that I thought were gonna be long standing characters that turned out that they weren't you know so it, it's yeah. um, it, it's great in that respect because there's you know so many times you're watching a series, and you know, uh, okay, well, they're gonna have to get out of it somewhere, or they, the 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 leads never die, and it's always the red shirt that gets killed, you know, and that's not <laughs> the case here on Torchwood. Yeah, and and to your point, though, is although they didn't
1: exploit the children, as you mentioned, this is a darker take, and there's some sacrifices to be made, and they don't shy away from being challenging in that. No. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this was that it took. It took chances. It, it was it was bold and daring, which is what daring. great science fiction is supposed to be. And it, it it challenges your thinking. It, cha- it makes you think, and you know you may not agree with certain things. And this goes back to what we spoke with earlier about some of the people. Being that we've already rung the the spoiler bell, um, the character of Yanto, which is one of the most beloved characters in the series, is killed off, and that in itself is a, is a serious point. ...in the show, but the there's people who are discussing it, there are people who are uh, uh, pro-main um, characters being sacrificed, there are people who are very against it, there are people really attached to this character, and they felt very passionately about it, and they pushed back against it. But part of the things that makes this show great, it, the reason that you like it, is because it's willing to take these
0: chances. Yeah, Exactly, Absolutely. and I think that's what made him more real and made his his passing even more, you know, gives, gives it more weight, you know, if he, yeah. if he was just going to go <gasps> back up and alive again, just like Captain Jack, then next time he dies, it's not going to be...
2: Yeah, no, they they wouldn't do that, I think not, not in a series as dark as Torchwood and... and
0: they they were willing to take the
1: chance that he didn't go out in this heroic blaze of glory, that he was taken out by something that in most Science fiction films is easy to overcome.
2: Yeah, you just you just you know flip a switch or whatever or take yeah, a hand spray. There, or there's
1: everything. a million you know magical ways in other science fiction, or, or even in this science fiction that you could get out of things. They chose not to go there. They chose to make it dark. And one of the things I will say, and I know that um, that John Barrowman was on some of the you know, the BBC morning shows or the talk shows promoting this, and he was kind of disappointed that. BBC chose to do some editing on this uh, for content reasons. I thought the 9 o'clock, the the 9 p.m. BBC One time slot and whatever they had to do to get this program ready for that made it more accessible.
2: Yes. It was still
1: dark and challenging, but certain parts of its content were toned down and not... um,
2: not sexed up in a way. It,
1: it was not sexed up, and they allowed it. They allowed everything to be subtle, and that to me made it the most believable of the three Torchwood series.
2: Yes, and and I think that subtlety really made it feel like classic sci-fi. This really did feel to me, at least anyway, like a classic piece of sci-fi. It had all the elements there, and. Um, I think it the whole thing just worked, and I'm really thrilled that they took their time to do it they didn 't rush it they uh you know they made it work that every piece of the jigsaw puzzle was there, and like we we've covered before, there were a few um uh, uh, sort of holes, but you, you were willing to forgive them just because the story was so brilliant, and the acting was so great, and the special effects were fantastic. And, uh, it had a moral behind the story and this kind of, as well as, as the aliens there as well, you know, looking at humanity and, and saying, you know, my, my goodness what a why are we prepared to do this you know and what monsters humans are and and what you know there 's this great line that Gwen gives as she 's recording uh, to the camera yeah. on day five, saying that now she understands why sometimes the doctor doesn 't always show up to save the day because at times he 'll be too ashamed of humanity at what they 're prepared to do, and I love the fact that they kind of had that anti establishment kind of view you know look at the government they 'll sell us out over anything. But, you know, it's also that side of humanity. And I also thought it was quite interesting that nobody from the government anyways is showing the boardroom and everything, showing the cabinet. None of them had... The, the mere inkling to think well what, what would happen if we just said no and if mm-hmm. we kind of went against them you know they're clearly just going to come back for more and more children later on and we're going to have to give them to them we can't keep making up stories about inoculations and stuff we should fight we should you know take them on yeah, even I, I if it means annihilation nobody should nobody, have been maybe
0: a little bit more of that maybe one or two characters at, at you know would have stood up and said no we we have to fight them right off the bat you know and
2: yeah but I, I like that because it kind of it made you feel, um, you know, you made it made you despise them even more because they were all so cowardly. They were just, they, you know, they wouldn't even put their own children up, you know, in the selection process. They were just being completely, you know, like how you imagine politicians are. Just, you know, mm-hmm. un, un, uninterested in. You know, we we have this idea that we have democracy and that the democracy is for the people, but really, you know, they'll do anything to save their own skin. And it, it came at such a timely point with all this expenses scandal here in the uk and you know how all this stuff has come out of the woodwork about ministers doing things for themselves and having several jobs and earning loads of money off the people's back and i like that and i think it was you know i had no sympathy for them purely because they didn't say oh you know well what we should fight we shouldn't we shouldn't sell out our people. We should we should fight these people to the the bare end. And and the kind of deception as well they didn't even want to tell, you know, UNIT and the United Nations about you know Britain's previous run-in with the four five six and all the rest of it. And I think they sh- you know they should have you know if they were moral because then they would realise kind of what they're up against and why they. They handled things the way they did the first time around when Captain Jack was, was there and why they gave the children away in 1965 and all that kind of stuff. But
0: well, on, on a related note, while we're talking about this, I have to we, since we haven't mentioned before, we have to give a, a, a big nod to um, Nick Briggs, who plays a character yes. here. We actually see <laughs> in the Nick cabinet. Briggs yeah. and as opposed to just hearing him, Nick Briggs, if you don't know, uh, is uh, probably most known for Doctor Who fans as the... The voice of the Daleks. He's done other voices as well, but uh, Cyberman, course, Cyberman, yeah. and, and and others. So uh, he's has a background in Big Finnish audio dramas, and uh, he, he here he is in his full glory as a human. Well, yeah, <laughs> some people kind of you know challenge me <laughs> on a
2: human debate, <laughs> but he played it so wonderfully, and he was so beautifully sinister. He he really did sink himself into the well, role he
1: and, is the dalek you
0: know?
1: yeah
2: exactly and and i mean he's he, you know he he does have uh off the the back of the big finish uh audios he's played a lot of the roles in that he's no stranger mm-hmm. to acting uh this is just the first time that we've seen him sort of on screen but he acts every time that he plays mm-hmm. a character in big finish and the daleks and the cybermen and i think it's it's wonderful that they gave him a role
3: yeah uh, on very screen.
2: nice to
1: see him and and he and he was he was cold <laughs> yeah,
2: really cold and brutal, um, just like the rest of the cabinet actually um, yeah. but played wonderfully by a, a spectacular cast. I mean um, the prime minister
3: mm.
2: who's uh, uh, I, I'm trying to remember um, I think he was he called Brian Green or something like that, played by Nicholas Farrell um, he was brilliant yeah, he as did the a prime great minister. Job. And and very believable. And I think that's why, you know, Ken, you were saying before how you were speaking to someone and they said, oh, I like Torchwood because it's more believable than Doctor Who or <laughs> it's more realistic than Doctor Who. I think this time around they got it right because the characters were so believable. The personalities were so believable. And that's why we were, we were willing to suspend our disbelief in the fact that you know Captain Jack could get out of a, a block of concrete and they could escape in army base and you know all these these kind of minor plot holes you know we could we could believe all that because we we um, had faith in the characters.
0: Yeah, and speaking of characters, they introduced a new character in uh, Lois Biba.
2: Lois Habiba, yeah, Habiba, yeah.
0: Habiba, okay, and I think she at first I thought she was working against Torchwood. I thought she was a plant. You know, in that yeah. Frobisher's office, you know, it, it seemed like she was a bit too nosy to be just, you know, curious. I thought she was actually there investigating Torchwood until I realized, um, well, by, the, I don't know, the second episode or whatever, that she was um, actually then started to work in with Torchwood.
2: Mm, mm. Very much like um, the doctor, I'm trying to remember his name, Rupesh, yes, something yes, rather who- who turned out that he was working for Agent Johnson, and I loved how she double-crossed him there. And, is is that know, her name? Because
0: I know she, they asked her her name, and she didn't give her name.
2: I, wonder... I think I think she was called Agent Agent Johnson. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've just picked that out of out of the blue. I'm I'm sure that somebody referred to her as such in in the. We didn't know her first name, as far as I'm aware. But um, she needed
1: to buy the farm, though.
2: Yes, yeah. But she needed seriously. to come
1: up and you know. Uh, uh, again, in Torchwood fashion, what you expect is not what you're always going to get, and so yes. you have to deal with that. But, mm. but boy, I would like to have seen her take a bullet to the head.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of nice that she she came back and was one of the good guys in the end. I mean, she was she she at least was willing to do um, the right thing for the for the state for the country. Um, you know, and, and she's she's a trained killer in contrast to the politicians who, you know, they they don't fight and they were willing to sell us out, you know, to save their own skins and all the rest of it. Um, I thought that was a nice contrast there. Mm. And Lewis as well. I loved her character played. She was played um, by Cush Jumbo. Uh, she did a great job. And I think she's going to be the new Martha Jones I hope they bring her back for Torchwood. But they do she's... mention
0: Martha Jones in episode one. They you do. Know, she they was do. on vacation, whatever. Obviously, Freezer, Freemer Adjermin was off doing, um, was it um, the CSI? What, what they do? law and order. Law and order. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think she couldn't do it, so they got uh, they got uh, uh, Kush on board, and she did a terrific job. And I think that uh, it was nice to have if you haven't if you haven't um seen any torchwood before, she was kind of your route into getting hooked into it and it was great that they had her there from episode one so that you could kind of gain an insight into what Torchwood is all about as an organization and all the rest of it um and and that was very clever as well, particularly as as it's been off our screens for so long
0: another actress that did a great job was um the, the actress that played uh, Mr. Frobisher's assistant.
2: Um, I yes, don't know uh, the, the character was named. called Bridget Spears, and and the actress I think was called Susan Brown. Uh, she um, did a
0: wonderful job too, and um, I think she was outstanding.
2: Yes, uh, uh, the, every I mean, just everybody was brilliant in this. They casted it superbly. I mean, I can't sing its praises enough. Would I mean it sounds, you know, it sounds terrible because we just. We're both big fans of this series, and there's nothing worse than listening to a review where everybody just says good things about it. But I, I honestly, aside from the minor plot holes and things, I can't really find much fault with it, really. Can- you know
1: what? I I also consider, did I enjoy it? That's something people don't consider when they review things. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. I liked, it. <laughs> I liked watching it. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like, what, at what point do you just stop? saying, Yeah, I like that. It was good. I mean, just yeah. to echo sometimes some of the, it's just that simple. The
0: the feedback yeah. that we've been getting that maybe you know from those that, that maybe thought differently than us that, that that those that thought that the series was just too dark. There, um, as we were talking about earlier, obviously I haven't seen much of it, but obviously it's out there that that people were claiming um, homophobia in it, which to me is very bizarre. I, I know yes.
2: you can. Well, to us too. <laughs> you can
0: um, draw parallels to maybe uh, films of the past where homophobia is present, where uh, only the gay actors or the gay characters die. But I, you know, in the case of 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 um, Yanto, he was, um, you know, he even said it was only Captain Jack. He was he wasn't even coming out as as a, um, a as a homosexual, or he was um, pretty much a um by if you will where he's um you know because we've seen him with um what's her name the who was the Cyberwoman? um i forget the character's name but yeah lisa lisa, lisa was the character's
2: you. name but yeah. I, I, and I can't remember the name of the actress off the top no of head. no no but
0: lisa was the character's name but, but even if she and even still, I mean, he had a relationship with 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 um, Captain Jack Harkness there and and, and Captain Jack is uh, omnisexual, if you will. And, you know, he survived as well. And I, I think everyone's up for grabs as far as um who's going to not who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. Last series, we saw um, Owen, who is clearly straight. And um, Tosh, who had sexuality, sexual relationships with, um, at least um, th- that we've seen on alien <laughs> well, well, with an alien, but a female alien as well. Yeah. So I-, I think she may be bi in that respect or or maybe a lesbian. We don't know. But it doesn't matter, you know? It's, yes. I didn't really yeah. see it. And I would think I would be a little bit more tuned into that. But I, I didn't see that at all.
2: No. No. I, I- mean – it i think that's what torchwood uh, highlights is the fact that okay maybe to be uh, i mean the, the in the beginning a lot of people started to call torchwood touchwood because it seemed you know <laughs> too much about sex and, and less about you know the story and i think i tend to agree with that but the important key thing that torchwood is highlighting is that sexuality doesn't matter you know people like what they like people love who they love it doesn't matter you know it just get on with the storytelling Let's forget all this homophobic nonsense and, you know, leave it in the past where it belongs. Let's start as we mean to go on.
0: Well, I think maybe, and this is just me speculating, is that uh, there's been such a hunger for any series, science fiction or, or drama, but but especially in science fiction because we've now we've seen it in dramas, but there hasn't been um, gay characters depicted as heroes in um in well, I was going to say in science fiction but really in any any form whatsoever so uh seeing captain jack and, and Ianto is um on screen as such a couple where they were kind of presented framed in this series and then having one of them killed off seems to now you know burst that bubble burst that balloon here you know we finally got what we were, were hoping for and now it's gone but you know, it doesn't – the, the series still exists. You know, it's, it hasn't been taken away and you don't know um, – and, and as far as the future of Torchwood goes, that's still up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, Captain Jack is, mm. is still around. Um, John Barrowman has come out and said in the press that he hopes to continue playing Captain Jack for the rest of his career. So it, whether it be Torchwood or not, we don't know. Obviously, the character has transcended more than one television series. So uh, yes, it, it could I be a think... completely different
2: series. I think the way that they've left it, Torchwood, is quite clever and quite good because it does bring the possibility that Captain Jack can come back in Doctor Who, um in Matt Smith's era somewhere down the line. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think I mean the bee the beeb would be daft to, to axe Torchwood. I mean they've 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 put out this very um
0: uh, yeah, what's the word? I'm looking spokeswoman for. Spokeswoman uh, said that they have to look at the yeah. ratings. Well, hello. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they
2: they they said something like the lines of, "We're going to have to assess Torchwood's future. You know, we'll be closely examining the ratings. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah." But I mean that in in essence is is nonsense. Torchwood will be coming back because it's in as far as I'm aware in the states, it's more popular than than Doctor Who, and Doctor Who is is pretty popular in the states now.
1: Well, let's let's also frame this a little bit differently. We may learn something this coming Sunday at San Diego Comic-Con, depending on what the announcements and the panels have to say there. Secondly, I don't think it's a matter of them having cancelled Torchwood or not commissioned a fourth series. How about we don't know what the creators of Torchwood have in mind?
2: That also is true.
1: We're we're framing this under, oh, poor Russell, he really wants to make another Torchwood. How do we know it's not Russell who's saying, I'm going to put torchwood on the back burner for a little while uh while i'm mm-hmm. doing something else or he comes out on sunday and says well we're planning on doing a torchwood film Or we're planning mm-hmm. on doing a doctor who film or we're planning on doing this or we're planning on doing that or we're going to do torchwood series four but in two years uh because we want to come back with a full season and re- have it reinvent itself whatever those answers are we're, we're just mm-hmm. assuming that the the assumption is Mm -hmm. that the Beeb gave up on it or whatever that didn't happen and the ratings thing was just to push the discussion off till Comic Con we have to see what the ratings are like no you don't you knew what the ratings were going to be you knew it and anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you (laughs) (laughs) what's the same with Doctor Who Well, we'll have to wait and see how Doctor Who does well so far it hasn't let anybody down
2: yeah In actual fact, I think it surpassed expectations. Uh,
1: And they're using Torchwood and Doctor Who to launch BBC America HD. It's one of the flagship shows. The fact that they have such confidence in it, the fact that they are hinging the
0: HD's launch in America – uh on these mm-hmm. these shows shows yeah, especially the confidence. On torchwood as you just said it's their flagship show in a sense a- i've been seeing there's, advertisements there's 100% confidence in these shows on, on other channels that that bbc america is doing you know promoting torchwood i mean someone said there was the food channel that uh, they saw a torchwood ad on it. and I was like well you know the torchwood characters have to eat too you know Yeah. I mean with 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 a few other shows as well, you know, Top Gear
1: is very popular and there's other there's other shows that are popular that are gonna help launch this new channel, but they chose Torchwood. They know that there's a huge cult following and that science fiction fans are very vocal and in order to get that channel on as many cable systems as they can or satellite providers Science fiction fans would be vocal, and we we still need to be vocal. There are plenty of places that aren't that didn't take it as of yesterday. I know it's just the first day, but it hasn't happened yet. And as I've been pushing for here on Cablevision Long Island, we haven't had either SD or HD. Now we had a few false uh, reports that that people thought it was going to be on in the eight hundreds, and it wasn't. So keep calling, keep saying, let's let's have it. <laughs> I think what it is, I think there must be a fear. Uh, of outsourcing our television to Britain, you know, because we make such masterful television here in the United States.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and and what we do is we take successful British shows and try to Americanize them and do, um, you know, uh, and, and we've done it with Russell T Davies or Queer as Folk. We, well, the the we, thing we, is, no it. one can understand that foreign language that British people yeah. speak. Oh, I know. Life that's on Mars, so The straight. Office. It's, um. I mean, all sometimes in the it's, family. yeah, I was the, the, just going to say, sometimes it's successful, like all in the family, but more times the, than not, the, it's, the, it's, the it's thing uh,
2: about that though, is, is that, um, in the States you do actually produce a lot of really fine television and sometimes it's swept under the carpet for various daft reasons. Well, enough about like, Fox TV. In, well, <laughs> quite, you know, it's it swept under the carpet by putting it on a really late night, uh, slot so that you know the, the the audience just isn't there whereas if they put it you know a bit earlier then it would be a huge success you know all, a variety of different reasons but there there are some fantastic amount of, uh, american television shows out there sci-fi i don't know <laughs> but um aside from things like star trek in terms of movie franchises but I think we should we should be championing we should be saying to the networks both in the UK and the US and anywhere for that matter look make quality television we'll watch it you know that's what we're we're here to do forget about this nonsense uh, reality TV shows oh, and all the rest yes. of it. I wish. I mean, we've said it many times before, but it's true. I mean, w- surely people are sick of it by now. But it's just that you can make loads of money with a reality TV show. Well, but as much as the, I despise honestly, and
0: hate it, people continue to watch it, and they get their yeah, ratings. Yeah, that's
2: and it. But I mean, they they just want to, to to make some controversy, don't they? It's far easier to make some money with controversy than to make an actually good television program. I mean. You don't have to hire. And wait, I,
0: I have
1: to also be fair because we are fair and balanced. That Fox, <laughs> Fox
2: <laughs>
0: Television, Fox.
1: we're not Fox. <laughs> Fox Television has been uh, actually has been a, a, a pretty strong supporter of science fiction, with the X Files and and even Firefly. As much as they hacked that up, they still chose to take a chance on a science sure. fiction program. But and, I think and, the, and the Doctor Who movie of nineteen ninety six, you didn't see
0: NBC, ABC, or CBS stepping up to the plate that movie so we're we're focusing on the negatives that they didn't choose to to continue the series in 1996 you know they had that option of picking it up (laughs) but yeah Yeah. i mean they at least they they stepped in and they they gave it a chance so to speak
1: i mean they really centered their sunday night around the x-files and they had the wisdom enough to move it off Fridays and move it to Sundays where it went from you know to wh- where it became the success that it eventually became so but
0: i mean for I every mean, plus there's the, the i mean they i mean obviously the Simpsons is doing very well, but then the family guy they cancelled only to bring it back and once they realize their mistake and now Futurama drama as is, well um,
2: and even though they're not going to bring back the original cast members to voice uh, you know the characters, which I think is terrible. And I think any Futurama fan out there will say the same. But
0: so, if anything, they're science. bipolar. They, they you know, they, they, on one hand, they, they they'll take the chance and and of bringing the series of, of doing science fiction, but then on the other hand, they 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 axe it too quickly. Yeah. Or, or they don't give the nourishment it needs to grow up and and walk on its own.
2: But hey, I mean, <laughs> any 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 network that's producing good quality television, sci-fi, whatever fair play to them i mean they'll they'll they should be supported for that and we should call in and say you know hey guys great job on that you know i don't think um people give enough feedback positive feedback to to television studios all they'll ever hear will be the negative stuff which is maybe true of uh, of anything only the only the only feedback you ever get is negative you know you never get any positive stuff where people come along and say you know hey that was great you know I really liked it.
0: So bringing things back to Torchwood here, Children of Earth, uh, and and tying it into what we're just talking about, please support the BBC, BBC America, buy the DVDs. The Blu-rays are coming out on July 28th in in the U.S. I think they've already come out in the U.K., if I'm not mistaken. I
2: I believe so, yeah, I believe so. So And to the end as well, I'd I'd just like to say um, along the same lines, um, if you are in the States... And you, you want to support BBC America, you can go to the BBC America shop. They've got some fantastic T-shirts that have just come out quite recently relating to Doctor Who and indeed British television in general. And it looks like I'm quite jealous really because I wouldn't know where to go to get that kind of stuff from the BBC here in the UK. There's
0: a link to it on the Gallifrey Embassy Doctor Who Podshock site. So if you go to org or net, on the left sidebar, there's a link to the BBC America shop.
2: Yeah, and they have DVDs and uh, T-shirts, all sorts of really, really cool stuff. Uh, my favorite one is uh, aside from the Doctor Who ones, there is the "I Am the Stig" T-shirts for anybody who's a, <laughs> a Top Gear fan.
0: It's it's funny saying that you know that that they have great because usually it's being you know here in the US we always say that about the UK. Oh, the UK has all the great stuff, and if you go to the you know the the, the BBC uh, shop you know in the UK, they probably have stuff that we want and. So it's usually um, vice versa for us.
2: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Anyway, I'm sorry to butt in there, Lewis. I didn't no, mean no, to. No, 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 that's,
0: that's good. That's good. Um, I'm just,
2: um, I didn't mean to, to derail your thought process. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all
0: right. That's all right. So, yeah. So um, by the time this podcast comes out, we will still either be in BBC America's um, showing of it. I'm sure they'll do uh, reruns if you haven't seen it yet. So, Please catch – I'm sure if you're listening to this point in the podcast, you've already seen "Tortured with Children of Earth. But the point that I'm trying to make is to make sure – it may even be available on iTunes once it's on BBC America. It's, that's how it works with Doctor Who. So I'm assuming it will be on iTunes as well. So purchase it on yes, iTunes. Yes, uh,
1: it, it actually – I got a, a thing this morning that episode one – Appeared on iTunes today.
0: So the the point I was just making is that if you enjoy what you uh, what you consume in media, make sure you support it and uh, vote with your dollars or pounds or whatever rubles you know whatever you use to um, as (laughs) as currency. Currency. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I am. Oh, we also just want to make a mention that uh, preceding Children of Earth, there were three tortured audio dramas that were released on uh, BBC Radio Four and the they week, were excellent the week before uh, the wednesday thursday and friday uh before bbc Amer- not bbc america bbc uk showed torchwood children children of earth they were 45 minute or i think they were 45 minutes um audio dramas on bbc radio 4 so and they were available to download free um, for a week on mm. on the site uh, they were. Uh, I should reframe that available to download in the u k or you could stream it anywhere for a week.
2: yes yeah you could you couldn't uh, download them if you were in the states, I think, but
0: yeah, yeah, I think there was one episode that they let out <laughs> mistakenly i'm assuming did
2: they did they actually broadcast them well, I don't know where they would broadcast them actually in the states, but I just wondered no, if they, they did weren't. a sort of thing in the states in the build up
1: to no it. if you think our television's bad, you should listen to our radio. <laughs> 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 That's really garbage.
2: <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess that they'll bring them out on CD or on iTunes, etc. As time time goes along, because they, I, I didn't hear all of them, but I heard bits of them because my girlfriend was listening to them avidly. Because uh, you know, she's. A,
1: I listened uh, to like a, all three prior to the start of the cho- Children of Earth, and I thought yeah. they were great. I really did. Uh, was very was well there, like... done.
2: Sorry, Ken, was there like a, an arc to them or a sort no, of a lead? No, they were
1: three, uh, like, one offs. I liked that they were very focused. They didn't do any overlapping storylines or anything like that. They just said they had, oh. a, you know, a, a, a mission or a, a challenge. And they would go and they would do it, and that would be it. They, there were little bits of character development, a few things they were setting up for Children of Earth as far as the interrelationship with the characters. But other mm. than that, they were three. Unrelated stories, um, very straightforward as far as the storytelling. You know, There's a problem, Tortured is solving the problem. How are they going to go about doing this? They didn't try to get too uh, overly ambitious. I liked it, it was a, a tight amount of time. I think they were about 45 minutes, if my memory is correct. Yes. They moved very quickly because of that, and, and I like that.
0: Okay, well, I... Um, I believe that's going to wrap things up for uh, for this episode.
1: Well, do we have any feedback for uh,
0: Hitchhikers? We have. We I know we have at least one feedback that we got. Because, I mean,
1: it's been a while since we've done one. so We, I, may, we I, may have more,
0: but... Uh... And how does one go about offering feedback for Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi? Well, you can send feedback to... Well, there's a couple ways. You could send feedback, send an email to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi dot com or go to our uh, website which is um, you can you go to it by going to uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi dot com and there's a, a feedback uh, um, submission there for if under contact you can send feedback that way but uh, feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi dot com it's, um, it's, it's a mouthful I realize that and if
1: you're on Facebook we have a uh, page there as well uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can join us there and we put all kinds of interesting things there or we hope interesting things there.
3: Mm.
0: Okay. I had this email before and now uh,
2: let's see. typical he's lost it.
0: No, it's well it's in the it's it's just have to re find it. It's not lost, I just need to re find it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, uh, okay.
2: The definition of lost being <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, here it is. It's um this is from Jill Arroway from um the signal so it's another uh, it's a another podcast on um on um on, we were just talking about it uh, the brown coats what's um firefly 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 thank you Hi Jill from the signal here I'm absolutely loving Hitchhiker's Guide to British sci-fi keep it coming more of the same it's wonderful to hear you guys chatting about stuff that's what we do we chat about stuff <laughs> The thing is, though, I do find listening to the show a little bit frustrating sometimes, though, because you never actually talk about any of the programs for the fear of giving away spoilers. You end not up, today. Well, <laughs> yeah, not today. <laughs> you end up avoiding talking about British sci-fi, the complete opposite of what you should be doing. Imagine if we imagine if you weren't allowed to uh, give any Doctor Who spoilers on Doctor Who Pachak and i mean any not just episodes in still in production but um also st- episodes that have already been aired you just wouldn't have a show uh there's no middle ground you can't half spoil you can't you can't half spoil in quotation marks half spoil e- uh either given a either either given even a given listener has seen the program under discussion or they haven't it's that simple so please either give no spoilers whatsoever or uh, assume that the audience have seen the program and discuss it freely. Just give a spoiler warning before, uh, before you start the discussion, and people can choose whether to listen or to skip. Also, would it be possible to discuss the real, in parentheses, the real life on Mars, in onto its in and of itself, without making references to the U.S. remake? I ask because I think um, because I think you've actually discussed the British show itself. Because uh, I, I'm sorry. I ask because I don't think you've actually discussed the British show itself. In an earlier episode of of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, you promised that you would talk about Survivors. I'm still waiting patiently and hoping that you'll get to it soon. With a little smiley face.
1: Yeah, (laughs) actually, there was
0: some news about. There's a series two of Survivors on the way,
1: isn't there?
2: I believe so. Yeah. So uh, I heard through the grapevine
1: that the other day, but
2: okay. And I think uh, we have our work cut out for us. Yeah, I'm going to try and pick up um, Survivors on DVD because I believe it's it's out now or is is imminently coming out. I seem to remember, um, but uh, I I think that there is going to be a, a second series. Yeah, so
0: um, uh, I'll just finish up her email here. Um, I will omit some bias here. I believe that the original Survivors is one of the greatest dramas the BBC has ever made, and that the remake is is um, <laughs> is a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> but that's just my bias. It would be interesting in hearing your take. I hope <clears throat> I hope this uh doesn't come off uh, as negative. I really enjoy the show and I'm looking forward to more. I look forward to every episode and every time a new episode arrives, I always jump to the top of my listening it always jumps to the top of my listening queue. I only mm-hmm. nitpick because I love it, Jill. Oh,
2: okay. That's sweet. Nice.
0: And and Jill, how do you really feel about the remake of
1: Survivors?
2: <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I have just Googled it, and I can confirm that uh, Series 2 uh, has been commissioned and will be airing this year. Um, and uh, a lot of the main characters are going to return, in, and instead of being set in Manchester, it's going to be set in Birmingham this this time. So filming's relocated over there. So uh, apparently the show was delayed, though, uh, because of the swine flu outbreak. Oh. So... Uh, I don't know quite what that means, but uh, apparently they are filming, and it will be coming out later this year.
0: Damn swine flu! Indeed. Isn't isn't that? I haven't seen survivors, but isn't that kind of ironic? Or
2: yeah, very ironic. <laughs> I think. I'm not. I'm not sure whether it's actually a joke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I, I think that's – we may have gotten other feedback, and I apologize for not having it handy, um, but we'll get to that for the next show. That's the only one that I have handy. Does anyone else have any feedback? From
2: I think the that's show? the the one that I had uh, had highlighted to discuss, so mm-hmm. um, please and do send any feedback.
1: For some reason, I'm thinking there's another, and and of course, after that's we stop. That's what Yoda stop, said. Well, we'll wind up remembering – I'll wind up remembering. Yeah,
2: that. it'll all happen. Oh, yeah. God, yes. Once once we finish
0: recording... Of course. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. The last time we recorded, uh, Dr. Who Podshock, Ken had said, you know, as soon as we finish recording, uh, there'll be an announcement uh, with the... uh, We'll see the doctor in his new outfit and sure enough, days later... Oh yeah, that's just the way it works.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Episode one will leak by the time (laughs) the next... uh, Yeah. Hitchhikers comes out.
1: (laughs) All right, fair enough. So let's wrap up the hitchhiker's guy, yeah, I got British a bow side. on it.
0: Let's wrap it up and put a bow on it. And you got it, give <laughs> it away. All right, boys. there you go.
1: always, we will see everybody hopefully a little bit sooner.
0: Yeah, yes. this time we've got a little delayed. We apologize for that. And um, but hopefully, we'll be on a more regular schedule next time. All right, well, cheers, everyone.
2: Have fun, guys. See you cheers. soon. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi Remember to support this podcast, please visit Hitchhiker's Guide to British sci-fi.com or Arttrap.com. This has been Lewis Trapani. You can follow me via Twitter at twitter.com/slash Trapani. You can follow James Norton on Twitter at twitter.com slash norton, And now you can follow, wait for it, you can follow Ken Deep. Yes, Ken Deep has joined the ranks of Twitterhood. You can follow him at twitter.com slash kendeep. Wow. Did hell just freeze over and I didn't realize it? Welcome aboard, Ken. Visit arttrap.com for more on this and other podcasts. This has been an Art Trap production.
3: is pod, and I'm here to tell you about a new Coltham Collective podcast talking about Cotham past present in future It's on talk i d five four eight two one, and we have a blog for that called the Coltham Chronicles. At but here's the big news, <laughs> big news from a little guy like me, is it's now on iTunes. Yes, you can subscribe to the Coat Them Collected podcast using this tiny URL. It's tinyurl.com forward slash... N-V-G, K-X-B, All small case. And Episode 1, the first live show, goes out on Talkshoe on Sunday, the 2nd of August, 2009, at 3:30 Eastern Daylight Time. That's Talkshoe ID 54821. <laughs> I'm going to be leaving my forest to come to that. Bye.